0: Welcome to Purpose House Church. Today, you'll be hearing a powerful message from our latest series. Let's listen in now. If you have a Bible, real quickly, we're just going to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. If you got the notes, you probably got the sermon. You probably preach it better than I can. So just preach yourself happy. But I do believe your children are coming home. They're coming home. Thank you, Caleb, for letting me share your testimony. So let me tell you what's going to happen later on today, just so everybody can hear it. The enemy is going to whisper in your ear that somebody thinks something about you, and that's a life in the pits of hell. We love you, and we're behind you, and we're right there with you. We're just going to kill that elephant in the room right there. And if some judgmental Christian person has anything, say, such were some of you. All uh, right, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Then 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, those of you reading your Bibles, it's just two chapters down, or, or excuse me, four chapters backwards. It says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So Paul's writing to Timothy and he's saying, listen, make sure you fight the good fight of faith. Make sure you hold on to it. And I would say that second Timothy chapter four and verse seven is probably the most wonderful epitaph that could be written about you is that you fought a good fight. You finished the race and you've kept the faith. If you do those three things, everything's going to be all right. If you'll fight the good fight, not just fighting to be fighting, but the good fight and the good fight is you fighting against the enemy of your soul and the enemy of your family and the enemy of your faith, not fighting with each other, but the good fight is fighting against the devil, fight the good fight, finish the race and keep the faith. And so for time's sake, I'm going to skip over my whole introduction. Just suffice it to say, this is not a time for you to stop fighting. Everybody good. Good. I'll cut out 35 minutes if you amen that. This is no time. you like, yes, amen. Now I know how to get you to amen. So if there was ever a time to believe God's word, it's now. If there was ever a time to fight, it's now. If there was ever a time to keep the faith, it's now. Why? Because there is a, a move afoot for us to sit on the sidelines, act like there's no fight to be had and not to finish the race, and not to keep the faith. And so we must keep the faith and finish the race. How many of you believe in quitting? Now, I want you to quit alcohol and quit smoking and that stuff, but I don't believe in quitting when it comes to the faith. We don't believe in quitting, and I don't think God believes in quitting either. So we shouldn't be quitting in our word, reading the Word. We shouldn't quit on people. Believing in people, believing that God's going to use people. So quitters never win. Remember that old line? And winners never quit. So we should never be satisfied with second best in our life. There is something worth fighting for. And as long as your whole family is not in God's house, there's something worth fighting for. And then when your whole family is in God's house, there's something to keep fighting for. Because the minute you relax, because, well, they're all here and wonderful, the enemy is going to come in from the side and he's going to throw another storm and there's going to be a little crack in the foundation. And the crack is you stop fighting. Fight the good fight of faith. And there's another reason why quitting should never be in the Christian vocabulary, why we should never quit fighting the good fight of faith, because great things come to those who refuse to quit. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 34, and he's writing, he says, what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith they subdued kingdoms, they worked righteousness, they obtained promises, they stopped the mouths of lions, they quenched the violence of fire, they escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness they were made strong, and they became valiant in battle, and they turned to flight the armies of the aliens. So he, the writer of Hebrews, who most believe would be Paul, whoever it was, was writing, he said, the acts of righteousness, and the acts of these men and women, that they refused, in refusing, to let go of their faith. He said, I don't even have the time to tell you. He just gives you a little snippet. He gives you a Reader's Digest version of the people in the Bible. And he said, these people, through their faith, they subdued kingdoms. Through faith, they did this. And through faith, he said, I don't even have enough time to tell you. So the church has got to get over this sin of time because there's getting ready to be a place in appointed time in this house where we're not going to have enough time for the testimonies of what God is doing through the people who have kept their faith. If all of your children come back to the Lord next week, there will not be enough time in the services next week. There will not be enough time on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday and then going into the next Sunday and next Monday because all of us want to stand up and say, I want to tell you where my son was at in June and then I want to tell you what happened to him in September and then I'm going to tell you what happened to him in October and then in January, here he is in God's house. And this is what God did in his life because mom and dad kept their faith and we subdued that dominion and that authority that was over his life. We refused to believe the report of the enemy. Instead, mom and dad refused to believe that report, but we believe the report of the Lord. There will not be enough time. So there's just gonna be a day where we're gonna stand up and say, yep, it was my son and it was my daughter who got their identity back and their identity was not in the report of the Lord. Their identity was found in In the word of the Lord. What can happen if the people of God would keep their faith? Can you imagine what would happen if the people of Southern Illinois would keep their faith? What can happen if you don't back up off your faith? How many kingdoms can you subdue? What promises can you claim? Will How many mouths of roaring lions will be stopped over your family if you can keep your faith? What violence can be quenched by people who keep their faith? What miracles are coming to Purpose House for people who have not given up their faith? What about the signs that are getting ready to show up and wonders that we will see if we will keep our faith? Faith is being run out of churches. There are so many people that just despise faith. They talk about people being the word of faith. And they don't like preachers who are word of faith. Well, my friend, if you read the word, you're reading faith. And if you don't like word of faith, you don't like the word. Because my Bible says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And so we don't have to come up with our own words. All we have to say by his stripes, you are healed. And if that makes me a person of the word of faith, then so be it. Mark me as a person of the word of faith. But I'm going to speak the word because I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. What comes by hearing? Faith cometh by hearing. And what are you speaking to them? The word. We need to have faith in the word. Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, then moves on after chapter 11 and he goes into chapter 12 and he begins to talk about through an analogy, if you will, of a race and the Olympiad. And he says, let us lay aside every weight and sin that would keep you from the fight. He says, therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Well, it's not sinful, but is it weighing you down? And the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So in this time, this would mean something to the people who were listening to what this writer was writing. And he's saying, listen, you need to get in your mind somebody who is training for race, they're training for a fight, and in training, they would put all kinds of weights on and get their body used to a resistance, but when it come time to fight, or when it come time to run the race, they didn't leave all their training equipment on, they didn't come out with their barbells and their dumbbells and their machines to actually get in the fight, and I think many of us have all these things on us that we keep on us when we come to fight, but when you get into the fight, you lay away all the things that you were training with, and all the things that you are building up your endurance with and you put all that aside so that you are free to fight. And there's a lot of us that have put some things on our lives and we've gotten used to the resistance and we've gotten used to what it brings into our lives. But I want to tell you in this January, it's time for you to lay all that down because you've been training long enough and it's time for you to stop training and actually get in the fight. But you can't fight with all the weight on you. You ever seen people practice just to practice to practice? And they talk about how good they are in practice. And then they get in a game and they can't do anything because all they've done is practice. How you really get good is to get in the game. Now, my golf pro is in the building, so I need to tread very carefully here. <laughs> but you can be good at the driving range and not be good when the pressure's on. You can be good on the putting green. And read the same putt over and over and over again and hit that putt over and over again. But get out there in the game where there's a different green that you've never been on before. The way to get good at the game is to play the game. The way to get good at praying is to pray. The way to get good at worshiping is to worship the way to get good at laying hands on the sick is to lay hands on the sick the way to get good in your gift is to use your gift i mean you're all parents don't you get frustrated when your kid says this is the most wonderful gift i've ever gotten and then they take it to their room and they put it in their closet and they never use it you little lion that's maybe how god feels about when he gives you a gift And you say, isn't this the most wonderful gift in the world? And then you take it and you put it on the sidelines over there. And you say, we'll just let Ernie do that. And we'll let Andrea do that. And we'll let John do that. And we'll let Pastor Michael do that. What about you? Fight the good fight of faith. Fight it. And so Paul continues this imagery of the Greek games. And he's talking about a Christian who's running the race of life. And he's saying, we are compassed about With a great cloud of witnesses, just as these Greek athletes that were surrounded by thousands of spectators, cheering them on from the stands. In fact, one translation of this verse says, wherefore, seeing that we are standing on the playing field with a grandstand full of witnesses. Everybody says, we are standing. Where are you standing? On the playing field. There are too many Christians who think their calling is in the stands. If you read that verse, it moves you out of being a spectator. And it puts you onto the playing field. You're in the game, my friend. And if you're not in the game, you're going to get run over because actually, my friend, you believe the lie. You are in the game. We are on this playing field, and here's what he says, with this grandstand full of witnesses, then, therefore let us lay aside the weights that would try to entangle us. So I'm just for a moment, I want you to imagine, while you're out here working in the altar today, and you're worshiping all the day, there's Paul, and there's Peter, and there's Moses, and there's Abraham, and all these great patriarchs of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and all the host of the heavenly family, they're all watching from the grandstands of heaven, and we think they're telling us to sit down and be quiet instead they're saying look at if you'll look at what my life of faith brought me if you'll live the same life of faith look what it will bring you so go on and get in there go on and get in there go on and worship go ahead and get in there go ahead and operate in faith you have a great cloud of witnesses that is cheering you on now, the word cloud in that verse is taken from a Greek word, it's enunciated nephos, and it describes clouds, just like clouds you and I see in the sky that need to go away and let the sun shine again. When most people read that verse, they think of clouds like these big, white, fluffy clouds that are here and maybe over here, and they just kind of just every now and then you see a cloud. But the old, that's like the Old Testament saints would just be scattered across the sky. But the word there translated clouds has an additional meaning to it. And it, it's meaning like the highest seats in the bleachers of a stadium is what it meant. So if you were to, if you've ever been to Israel, it's amazing to me that these stadiums that they built all had seat numbers on them. They chiseled them into the rock. It was amazing. We had, we, we had to pay extra money for your seats to have a letter and a number. on. Back in those days, they were chiseling the, the aisle number and the seat number in them. But if you were to go to an event back in those days, and you had your ticket, if you will, and you walked up to the usher, and you said, here is my ticket. And he looked at it, and he said, oh, you're up there in the clouds. Now, we call them a different thing. We call them the nosebleed sections. But in their day, they would say, oh, you're up there in the clouds and so you're all the way up at the top and so this writer of Hebrews is saying for those of you that are in this fight you are encompassed by this great cloud of witnesses there are people stacked on top of each other all the way to the top of the stadium and encompassed means they are all the way encircled around you so it's not a cloud here and a cloud there no on top is one thing is stacked on top of another on top of another on top of another on top of another, on top of another all the way all the way to the top of it is one victory after another victory, after another victory, after another victory, all the way to the top of the thing. And all those victories are cheering you on to victory. So when you feel like quitting and you feel like throwing in the towel and you feel like you don't want to run the race anymore, if you'll just look around you and hear the whispers of all of the saints of old whispering to you, hey, if you'll keep running, you're going to win. If you'll keep fighting, the only way you lose this fight is to stop fighting. So get back in the race, lay aside anything that would keep you from running the race and fight the good fight of faith. And if the Old Testament and the New Testament patriarchs don't get you motivated look around, your mom and your dad and your grandparents and your aunts and uncles that went on to be with the Lord are also in that same stadium and they're saying, listen, if you'll keep fighting the good fight of faith, you'll wind up in this stadium as well and one day we're not gonna cheer on each other but the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is gonna enter into this stadium and we're gonna say, open ye gates and let the King of Glory in and the crowd is gonna go, we wanna be a part of that crowd. So we want to be completely encircled. The grandstands of heaven are cheering us on. So we must fight. And you can win the fight if you'll fight. Romans 8 and verse 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Just keep fighting. We need to be strong in the faith. You can read Romans 4 verses 20 and 21 in your own time. But we must be fully convinced, strong in the faith. First Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 to 14. Watch, stand fast in the faith. Be brave and be strong and let all that you do be done with love. Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In other words, all these writers are saying, don't give up, don't give in, don't back down, but keep fighting the good fight of faith. Now, maybe you've heard this term. It's called slacktivism. Has anybody heard the term called slacktivism? Slacktivism is defined by this. It is the practice of supporting a political or a social cause by means such as social media or online petitions and characterized as involving very little effort or commitment. That's called slacktivism. Slacktivism is a part of a research out of the University of British Columbia that shows that people who click like on something, like, if you want to help the poor children, click here. And people believe that they're helping the poor children by clicking there. That's called slacktivism. Slackers thinking they have activism. I'm setting you up. There are far too many Christians who think if they say amen to it, that that means they're doing it. And slacktivism has bled into the church. And we think that if we show up, that that's enough. We have been taught this thought that God will move regardless of whether we will move or not. That if we don't even need to respond, God will just do. My friend, the scripture says that if you'll draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. I mean if I could preach a whole new series I, I wish there were 13 months in the year I preach a whole series between January and February a whole different series called The Next Move Is Your Move and it's not about saying amen it's not about clicking like it's not even about sharing this sermon it's not about sharing my YouTube channel it's whether or not you're going to get actively involved in the change of our nation and how you change our nation is you get involved in the kingdom of God you don't get involved in a political movement or a cultural movement or a social movement you get involved in a prayer movement movement involved in a worship movement you get involved in a faith movement you want to change the nature of our world then you get involved in the kingdom of God and you begin to subdue commit dominion take dominion and authority over kingdoms and over principalities and over power it's not enough to say they exist you've got to do something about it It's not enough just to believe that your children are going to come back. You got to get down to business and get a hold of the horns of the altar and begin to take authority and begin to take dominion over everything that's coming against your children. Fight the good fight of faith. I mean, you got to get down to business. you got to say, Lord, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ and I pull down every stronghold that's over my children. I'll come against every lie in the pits of hell that's in their minds and in their heart. Father, I take authority over every sin, over every disease and over every sickness and I'm going to wage war for them, fighting the good fight of faith. Well, I raised my hand in church, but that doesn't make you any more safe than being standing in your garage and believing you're a Corvette. This is something that has to be lived and fought for. I want my church to be a good church. Your church will only be as good as you make it. I wish God would move. God is waiting on you to move. I wish Pastor Melissa would lead worship. Pastor Melissa will only lead worship as far as you desire to go in. She will take you as far as you want to go. But you're going to have to get up out of your situation and say, I came here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm not just going to be a slacker and I'm not just going to have slacktivism, but I'm actually going to fight the good fight of faith. Oh, isn't it good? Our church is in prayer and fasting. Are you praying and fasting? Well, I know the Bible says to lay hands on the sick. Then lay hands on the sick. It's like my buddy, he was a missionary to Africa. He was praying one day. and said, Lord, I want to see somebody raised from the dead. About that time, there was a knock on the door from the national pastor. And he said, come on, we're going to go down to the funeral home. He said, what? He said, the Lord sent me here because you want to see somebody raised from the dead. So in order for somebody to be raised from the dead, you're going to have to lay hands on something that's dead. Well, let me reconsider that. That's the church, though. We want to see revival, but never be a part of the revival. We want evangelism without evangelists. We want healings without people laying hands on the sick. We want change without repentance. We want a move of God without the Holy Spirit. We want a change of our circumstance, not just a change of our life. That slacktivism in the church. I wish that preacher would preach good, but you wear him out before he gets there. I wish my church was on fire. Then you catch on fire. Yeah, everybody around me is dry. Then you catch on fire, and dry wood fires up faster than wet wood. And if they're wet wood, then Lord, send the wind of the Holy Spirit and dry them out because they are getting ready to catch on fire. So if you'll draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. See, we, we've developed in the church that we can win a fight without fighting. We can run races without running. People will serve in the church without us serving. The doors will open and we've never opened the door. I, you know, many people believe in miracles even though they don't believe in miracles. They believe these lights come on automatically. They believe the heating and the air comes on automatically. They believe everything in church just happens automatically because they've never done anything. If you're not serving, you're hiding your gift, and you're going to be judged for that. I don't have a gift. Oh, yes, you do. You have a gift because God has given to each one of us a gift that we are to use and minister one to one another and do it well. I'm going to keep moving. I told you I would skip over things. I wanted to dwell there for a little while, so count yourselves blessed. So... If you're going to run a race, you got to prepare for the race. And what you have to do in the race or in the fight, as Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched. But when you're in the fight, you have to stay disciplined and stick to the game planned. Stay disciplined. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 24 through 27, and I'm just going to summarize. He said, but if I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So stay disciplined. And if you'll stay disciplined, you won't get disqualified. So I just want to talk to all of us church folk for a minute. One of the worst things that can happen is for you to spend your whole life professing something and then not living up to what you professed. You have disqualified yourself because they're looking at what you're saying and judging it against your life and it doesn't add up. They say, I believe this and I believe this and you're like, really? Like some of you, you quote scriptures you don't even believe. You post pictures you don't practice. And they're looking at your life and they're saying you're disqualified. Why? Because you did not just stay disciplined because it's not enough to quote the word and to hear the word, you have to do the word. But we've been tricked by the enemy to say that if we amen the word, and we post the word, and we type the word, and we carry the word, that we're doing the word. No, my friend, you've got to do the word. And in doing the word, you're posting the word. And in doing the word, you're carrying the word. And in doing the word, you're exposing them to the word, if you'll do the word. Don't get disqualified. Number number three, finish your race. Your race. Your race is not my race. In Acts chapter 13, Paul is talking and he says, let me read it in verse 25. And he says, as John was finishing his course... He said, who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to lose. Paul is saying John was finishing his course. John had a job to do, and John finished his course. Paul, I have my own course, and I need to finish my course. You're not here to finish my race. You have to finish your race. You're not accountable for my gifts. You're accountable for your gifts. You're not accountable for my calling. You're accountable for your own calling. Finish your race because what we do in church is well if I could just be like Melissa if this church had more than one Melissa's we couldn't contain it (laughs) if this church had two Jason's you all be sitting here for three hours of preaching because you know what Jason would want to preach after Jason preached you finish your race it is not healthy to compare yourselves among yourselves Well, I can't sing like them. That's not why God called you to sing, to sing like them. He called you to sing for him. I can't do that like them. That's right. They're them. You run your race. Because if you are comparing yourself against them, you will never finish your race and it will exhaust you because you're on the wrong track. You got to get in your lane and stay in your lane and finish your race because God gave you what you needed to finish your race and not theirs. Then, not only finish the race, but how about we finish with joy? Why does the church have to be depressed? Is it okay to laugh in church and have a good time in church? Sure is. (laughs) Finish with joy. It gives me great joy to watch Caleb. It gives me great joy to watch Josh Billingsley. It gives me great joy to watch Johnny do things I cannot do. If I had I would have a migraine for a month. That's his race. Thanks be to God. That's his race. My job is to watch it in joy. In joy. Why? Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. Some of y'all need to tell that verse to your lips and let them part this way and say the joy of the Lord is my strength. The reason why the church is so weak is because we have no joy. And the reason why we have no joy is because we have forgotten that it is joy, unspeakable and full of glory. You want joy to come in God's house, get the glory of the Lord in God's house. Acts chapter 20, this Paul again writes, I see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He's like, look, I know where I'm headed. I know most people would think that I'm supposed to be sad and sorry about it, but I'm going to finish my race with joy. You know, the devil messed up really bad. He should have killed Paul when he first got to prison instead of giving him some pen and paper. And Paul didn't write, woe is me. Instead, he writes to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, I knew it was coming. It was prophesied that it was coming. But I'm going to finish this race with joy. But you, Timothy, hold fast to those things which were given to you. But as for me, I'm ready to be poured out. And I wrote in my Bible, and this is how I do things here when I hear things. I give you credit the first time I use it. The second time I say it, I say I heard somebody say it. The third time I just say it but I wrote in my Bible next to it and I have AP's initials right there. And right after their son was taken to be with the Lord, AP was standing in this platform the platform over there and he used these words, what will your pour out look like? When you're ready to be poured out and everything seems to be going against you and the enemy starts coming after you and they start pouring you out, what's going to come out of you when you get ready to be poured out? Is it going to be joy? Is it going to be God still good and he's still gracious and he still heals and he still saves and he still satisfies? Or are we going to go the route of church folk and talk about how bad it is and we can't understand why God would allow this and why would God do this? And we pass down to our children about doubt into God. But here's what he says to Timothy. I'm ready to be poured out. But know this, Timothy. I have fought a good fight. I finished my course and I kept the faith. Timothy, if you're gonna write anything about me when I got poured out, you write that. I fought a good fight. I finished, and I kept what God gave me. That, my friends, is the perfect epitaph for every believer. That when the enemy comes at us, I fought a good fight. I finished my course and I kept the faith and all of God's people said I'm three minutes over you are getting out of here at noon would you stand with me across the building how do you keep it we talked about this at the ending of last week you keep it by the Holy Spirit you keep it by passing it on you keep it by guarding the faith there's some things that were given to us that we need to guard if we don't guard them the next generation is never going to receive them pastor melissa was talking about legacy and about the old songs i don't know what happened to me about three years ago but most of my ministerial career if you will i tried to make sure that i was never going to be what i grew up to be about three years ago i felt like it was time for me Maybe it's because I got older. Maybe it's because I saw the condition of the church. I don't know why God has put it in me. But it is time for us not just always to have a new thing. But there's nothing wrong with the old paths either. And we need to guard some of those old paths. Because if you're not careful, this new stuff will tell you that holiness is not necessary. Repentance is not needed. And you can have a move of God without you ever moving. And God's going to bless your mess. So you just come as you are. No, as was testified earlier today, when you begin to speak to God, God's not only going to speak to you about what you want to talk about, but now that you've opened the conversation with God, he's going to come over here and say, you know what? Not only is that ticket a problem, but what you're believing about yourself is a problem. Because as Caleb drew near to God, God said, all right, I'll draw near to you. But while I'm in your home, I'm going to tell you all the things that's wrong with your house, too. There's nothing wrong with good, holy conviction. The old paths are still right. Nothing wrong with new songs. Nothing wrong with new things. But let us not get so enamored with the new that we leave the old. Fight the good fight of faith. Finish the race keep, hold on to the faith. Every head bowed with every eye closed. Heavenly Father, in this house, Lord, you have moved on our hearts. You have moved on our minds. You have moved on our souls. You have spoke words into us. You've given us words of knowledge. You've given words of wisdom. Your gifts were operating today. I pray, Lord, that you would let our hearts be inclined to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to each of us as individuals. And the Lord may it be said of us when it is time for us to be poured out that we fought a good fight. The good fight of faith. And that each of us finished the course that you set before us. That we ran our race and we ran it well. And Lord, we have kept, we have guarded, we have secured what you have placed into our lives and into our hearts and into our minds. We've kept the faith. And we're going to pass it to another generation just as strong, just as valiant, just as powerful as it was when we received it. And give us, Lord, the grace and the strength, Lord, to finish our race and to finish it with joy. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, amen. If our prayer teams would come. Maybe in this last season you feel like the enemy has won a few rounds. You've been knocked out of the race. You feel like throwing in the towel. It's not over my friend. Micah 7 8 says rejoice not against me. O my enemy for when I fall I shall arise, and if I sit in darkness, he'll be a light into me. This fight is not over. You just got to finish, so rise, and let's get back in the fight. But if that's you, and you need encouragement today, Pastor Melissa and the team are going to sing one more song. Our prayer teams are available to you. There's even in the back, for those of you in the balcony, there are prayer team members in the back. They're waving their hands at me right there. They're down there. So you don't have to come all the way this way. But the Lord wants you to keep the faith, finish the race and fight a good fight in Jesus name. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to check out our podcast weekly, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can visit purposehousechurch.org to find out more information about Purpose House Church. Be sure to join us right here next week.